weekday. The Morning Drive, FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here. Joining us in studio, it's Rutland Mayor Mike Dunges. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. How you doing? Doing well. Good. Good radio voice. Oh, thanks. You need a mayor with a good radio voice. <laughs> He's good on the radio. There's no question. Now, uh, Mayor, I know you heard us talking about uh, Burlington Free Press and me railing on about spending $3.50 for it yesterday. Yeah. What's the Rutland Herald like? Now, we had, do you have the same issue down there? I'll tell you, it's not as thin as that, though. When you showed it to me, I, when I was listening, I, I expected it to be a little thicker. The Rutland Herald actually has some pretty decent content, but it is expensive. The challenge down there is, is uh, it's not is real time. So their deadline used to be like midnight and then they'd get the paper printed and be in the, in you get the next day, but they're printing out of Canada. Yeah. Uh, Cause we don't have a press down there right now. So if something happens after 2 PM on a Tuesday, you're not mm-hmm. going to hear about it till Thursday. Right. Yeah. Cause it won't be in Wednesday's paper. So it, it's, it, it's still good and it still reaches a local market, but it's hard to, it's hard to. And I think yeah. the difference too is though, that you have, at least you have a place to bring something before 2 PM. I mean, really, I mean, yeah. quite often there's there's just no option at the free press here. And and um, I, I, it's, it's super frustrating. That's yeah, wow. that, that could be I could see how that could be annoying, especially if you're like the local mayor. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because, it's, you know, the deadline of the of the local paper. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, we've got some great reporters, too. And we try to keep them in the loop as much as possible. You, the, the thing about Rutland is there's only so many ways to get information out. Not everybody's on Facebook. Not everybody reads the paper. Not everybody listens to the radio. It's not everybody just, watches Peg TV. Not so. everybody listens to the radio. Well, yeah. What? Wait a minute. I know. <laughs> we're working on that. The, it, but it that. is, as we were talking about, it's sad to see these newspapers. And I know it's a national trend, but it's just sad to see where no, you know, you don't have the coverage that you used to have of the local yeah. city council meetings or the legislature. You got to get it somewhere else. And, uh, you know, they got rid of the editorials and the local it's my turn pieces in the free press. Anyway. Local, I'm telling you, man, local information to smaller communities, like not Boston, not New York, Mm -hmm. it's just disappeared. And it needs to come back. We need to find a way to bring it back. It's sad. Hey, uh, let's talk, just before we get into some of the serious issues, just had the Rutland Fair. Yeah, it was great. Which, which I always thought of the Rutland Fair happened after the Champlain Valley Fair, but that's changed some years back. Yes, at some point we went from 11 days long down to five. And at some point, I think it moved earlier, or maybe we're just feeling like it moved earlier because it's not 11 days long anymore. Um, but this year, oh my gosh, it was packed. I mean, we I think we've had really crummy weather. It's been constantly wet, but almost every single night that the fair was running, it was dry. The weather was good. It was the night we went, um, my wife and I went on, I think, uh, I think it was Friday and it was actually not as busy as it had been the other night. And then sat, I guess the last night was just jam packed too. So it was really good. I, I uh, was talking to the guy who, who was on the president of the board over there. His name is Robert and uh, mm-hmm. just giving him crazy compliments because they had done such a nice job and they lined up good musical artists, you know, good acts. Um, everything just worked out really well. They clicked. They, they, clicked. they had to do a whole rebuilding phase. And you know, the one thing is I don't, I don't know a lot of them personally, but I know that everybody involved in that, fair really has their heart in the right place that's and, a good way to say it. Yeah, and absolutely. and they worked diligently to to make it kind of to switch the time to do all that and i, I i'm happy for them that it paid off 
Uh, and that was the general consensus I heard from from folks in Rutland. They're like, hey, we went to the fair and it was great. Yeah, everybody seemed happy. I mean, look, you, I think you had said it before we got on the air, excuse me, uh, that the, the attitude, just the, the the feel when you were there, people were just happy to be there. They yeah. just enjoyed their time. So, and it didn't rain. And it didn't rain. <laughs> yeah, you got lucky there. Let's, uh, now, Mike, how does it, uh, now that you're mayor, you've been mayor for almost six months six, now, yeah, coming up on the half-year mark already. But uh, when you walk around in a public place like that where there's tons of people, do you have people come up, coming up to you saying, hey, uh, Mayor, what about the pavement on my street? Can we get the sidewalk redone on the street? Or, you know, what do you do? Like, I mean, Mayor Koch in New York City used to go walk around saying, how am I? He did it differently. He said, how am I doing? <laughs> I can ask that, too. Um, people catch you, and they'll always want to talk to you, which is great. And I actually love that. And it's something I enjoy. Actually, next year, I'll probably go more because there's so many people there that have something to say. Um, it's always great when people are like, hey, I, I love what you're doing, and I have these three things I want you to fix, but I, I don't live in Rutland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but in, in, in reality... Um, there's a trick that I learned from uh, celebrities who walk around like big conferences like Comic-Con and stuff like that. And they say, as long as you keep walking, people will walk with you if they really want to talk to you. And if they don't, they'll, you know, they'll say hi and go. Yeah. And I, I just, just, I'm, it's not that I don't want to stop and talk. I'd love to. Uh, but if I stopped and talked to everybody, I would never leave the front gate. And that's exactly what happened the other night when we were there. So um, I was very happy to see people there and, and happy to have the conversations. We had a conversation uh, about some paved roads and some potholes on a particular road. But the one thing, the one thing, no matter who I'm talking to, no matter what town they're from, whether it's the city or whatnot, when are we getting a movie theater? That's the one thing. Is there thing. no movie theater we, in Rowland? Really? Rowland's movie theater closed when the pandemic hit. Oh, the current okay. movie theater space is empty and actually being turned into a fitness center. So we are high gear to try to find a movie. There's so no, when, movie when can we, no so, movie theater. So when can we get a movie theater back in Rutland? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're working on it. I mean, being government, uh, you know, we only have a limited amount of what we can do. We could probably open one ourselves and then just take away that business. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, well, you're on a, no, you're on a radio that. station in Burlington, so yeah. a, a lot of people are thinking, well, why doesn't the city just open one? Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's yeah. the immediate thought and, in Burlington. And, and honestly, we'll probably, do, in, in re, all reality, we'll probably do something. There's a couple ways we can do some things like, you know, maybe tie it to the Parks and Rec Department, Rex and Park Department before yeah. the, the season's over. But, um, do something outdoors, but really trying to find, I've talked to movie theater owners up here in mm-hmm. Burlington. I've talked to the guy, uh, the family that owns the ones in Springfield and Keene. Um, apparently the ones down in Bennington are interested too. So there are owners interested in doing something, but the movie business is so weird now because you know, they take a percentage of the ticket. The real only real way for these guys to make money is on concessions. So it has to be like the right mix and the right amount of space and, and the costs have to be all just perfect. The margins are so thin. That's hard. That's why it's hard to keep them open. Well, so. and they, they have one in Middlebury, but, but to be honest with you, I think their income comes from the fact that they've got great food yeah, and they have other entertainment while the movie's going on. They, they have two spaces. Right. And like, I went to trivia there one night. Trivia is fun there. They do the, um, my favorite thing that they do in Middlebury is they, they, uh, they do the, the talk on the, the talk over the, um, oh yeah. yeah what are they you watch the movies like with Mystery the Science comedians. Theater 3000. Yeah. Yes. Live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Big so. guy entertainment. They're, they're very talented. So guys. we want to try to replicate that somewhere down in Rutland and we'll work on it. We'll get there. Oh, uh, yeah. But it's, it is a, as funny as it is, as it sounds, that's a priority for people. Well, so. it should be. And I grew up in Middlebury and, and quite often we would go to Rutland to the movies instead of come to Burlington. You know, you'd have a, an option and, or even West Rutland. 
but uh, yeah, nothing. Nope, nothing now. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. We're gonna, we're, we're talking with the. Uh, well, he's not the new mayor anymore. He's got right. For local talk, weekday mornings. The Morning Drive. News Talk WVMT. More cowbell, please. <laughs> we are back on The Morning Drive. Kurt and Anthony here and Mayor Dungis from Rutland. If you have a question for the mayor, give us a call. 888-414-03 on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline. 0303. I hope I said that right. Um, and uh, Mr. Mayor... I just want to say one thing to you. Um, when can I get my street paved in Burlington? <laughs> since, since the guy at the fair was uh, talking to you about a few things, and he didn't live in Rutland, I figured yeah, yeah. I could throw my street out there, uh, too. Uh, can you get my street paved in Burlington? Your mayor and I have conversations on occasion. Let's see what I can do. Okay. You're the third mayor we've had in the last week. Mayor, mayor Weinberger was in, and the and Plattsburgh Mayor Chris Rosenquist was in, and you're making out the trifecta now. Perfect. So, uh Get into a, f- a lot of different things, but first I want to just ask you just one more generic question. Six months on the job, just about. Yeah. Has anything surprised you so far? Ooh, oh, yeah. All sorts of stuff. Um, pushback where I thought I wouldn't get it. You know what I mean? You come in with ideas and everybody seems really supportive, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, but we don't like it that way. You, you mean know, from the council or the public from, or both? A little bit from the council, uh, a little bit from you know uh, other elected officials, a little bit from the public, but it's good. It's good. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with checks and balances, and I'm, it's great to you know have uh, a true understanding of what people actually want. But yeah, that's probably the biggest thing is just where where I'm finding pushback where I wouldn't expect it. But you know, it comes with the job. So, is there a specific issue that? Um, you know, when we look at, I guess it's probably spending is probably the cleanest one to talk about. There's a couple little things, but like, so I came in, I've got this agenda. We talk about change. I need to you know staff city hall appropriately. And there's a budget surplus at the end of the year, and that surplus, you know, if all those departments had spent those dollars then there'd be no money reducing the tax rate from that surplus. So what I said is I want a little less than half of that surplus, um, but depending on which way you look at it. So a little about a little less than half of that surplus to, to come towards what I want to do over the next 6, 12 months while our next budget comes up, right? Because I can build it into the next budget. And I got a, a lot more pushback on that than I thought I oh, would. Oh, I think people are territorial about their yeah. their departments and their money. Yeah, exactly. So it's fine. I mean, it just mm-hmm. – I. Uh, it won't be an issue next year. And of course, it's a different it's a different way to handle it. And so. of course, you were president of the city council. I was, and so that's probably helpful because you know how to deal with the city council. But now that you're mayor, aren't they a little bit of a pain in the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out uh, I've got a friend who ended up uh, winning on the city council this year, and he's the one who voted no among them. Things like we took we went to breakfast on Sunday uh, this following Sunday. I said, "Hey, what's going on, man?" He's like, "I didn't think you had a good idea." <laughs> So, yeah. so even my no friends good. on the council don't like my ideas. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you know, you got to respect. Here's what I yeah. love about it. Yeah. Your friends. Yeah. And maybe you made the assumption that I probably would have too, that, you know, he's going to agree with me. And, but when it came down to how he felt the city would, would benefit or not benefit, he, he just honestly said, you know, this is the way it works. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 there's the assumption though wasn't there. I'll tell you that because whenever I talk to my friends and say, "Hey, listen, if you're getting into this, we're going to disagree," and and that's fine. And yeah. to, to kind of set the stage to say, "Let's disagree and let's hammer and something out." Exactly in the middle. right. Exactly. Well, I disagree. I think your answer, your, your response to it should have been, "You're dead to me." <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, all right. Now uh, let's talk about the the flooding in Rutland. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, a serious issue. Vermont was pulverized by the flooding. 
Yeah. Uh, how, what happened in Rutland? Man, I'll tell you. So we actually got hit a couple different times, a couple different ways. So that first big storm that came through, the FEMA, the FEMA designated storm, um, before uh, I think a day or two before that, Killington had gotten hit even before the storm. But um, that FEMA designated storm, we didn't have any major issues. There were certainly some homes, really wet basements. But what happened in Rutland is we didn't get the six inches of rain. Everybody else did. And there's three major waterways, right? Otter Creek, uh, Muzzy Brook, and Moon Brook that come through Rutland. And that's where all the water came. So our roads flooded out and some of the homes around the roads just because the rivers were so high. And we kept an eye on it. And, and that went well. It wasn't that storm. It was the next storm that really caused some serious damage for homeowners and city property. Which the is, one that Addison County got pelted with after the initial. Flood. That's right. And that was the one a couple Fridays ago. And that um, actually... Of course, I had taken my kid down to Texas, so I was out of town. <laughs> but I was working. I was working. I was there, so it's okay. Were, yeah, oh, yeah, I, was, right. I was in the heart of Rutland. Um, but our council president, um, our board of aldermen president, Michael Talbot, and I, as well as DPW commissioner and um, police and fire, we're all on a group text and we're kind of coordinating stuff. And he did a great job in my stead and, and did a nice job communicating with everybody. But the only problem politically would have been is if you left for Texas in the middle of it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, no you're already down, down there. there. You're yeah, safe. Yeah. Um, the, the, in the end though, we still have two problems, right? We have house homes. There's one street, uh, Clover street in Rutland where of the, I think uh, just a quick estimate of the 10 homes on the street, Eight of them don't have power meters. The power Ooh. meters have been pulled because there was so much flood damage it's that they stinking. can't turn they the power turn back the power, on. Right, um, and there were those were homes that people were living in. Right, and sometimes they're multi units. Actually, most of them are multi units. So uh, we're talking, you know, ten to twelve displaced families just from that event that still haven't been repaired, and there are no um, there are no FEMA dollars for it because that wasn't the FEMA storm. Yeah, and oh, Becca, so Becca Balent came down. We were talking on the street. She actually got to meet one of the homeowners. And the conversation is, is look, the reason that storm should be tied to the original FEMA event was because everything was so saturated. Exactly. The debris in the rivers that were there from the first storm that hadn't we hadn't had time to clear. We didn't have authorization to clear it yet. Some of it we can't even clear because it's not on city property. Um, that debris actually caused that area to flood. Yeah. And or, or I mean, we don't know. We'll have to look at the research. But it definitely but was connected. They're connected. Yeah. So to what she's trying to do along with Governor Scott and, and um, the rest of our, you know, legislators to DC, there are two senators. They're trying to get FEMA to kind of expand the footprint of that storm. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and I think the logic is there. The Addison County is suffering from the same, same kind of thing. The initial big storm, it did hit in some areas, but it was the aftermath. And then the second and third after that, um, because I was, that's where I, we got hardest. Hit. You got clobbered when you, uh, let me, I was in the fairgrounds at the fairgrounds <laughs> were and you swimming. Yeah, I could have, I could have actually, yeah. we, 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 first we were in the building, then we got in the back of the truck. It was really kind of scary there for a minute. And it was just an amazing amount of water. Yeah. Uh, and I think about how here you are 10 days later and the fair was so successful and the water had receded because they were standing there. I thought I thought the guys from the fair were going to cry. Yeah. yeah. They've got so much work invested because they had done so much to yeah. clean up yeah. and get everything looking good in the area that, that you're talking about, the lower lying area where the tunnel is yeah. up to the track. And then you've got the grandstand there. That's the space that needs the most work the most amount of time. Right. So they had just cleaned up and they had to go back and do it again. But they did a phenomenal job. Now, with yeah. the displaced families, where where are they? So at the initially, um, the Red Cross shelter had opened up. 
because of the flood and they had only stayed open. They were only stayed open for about 24 hours and they were about to close. Uh, and then, um, and then a family came in like 10 people, like 10 different people came in to stay the night. So they stayed open for a couple more days. So they were helpful. That's at our, that's usually at our high school gym when that opens up. Um, and then now, uh, I think some of the families are living down in Danby. They're mostly, mostly with family members. There are a few that got, uh, some general assistance vouchers that are living in the local motel. So. So obviously you're waiting on on help from FEMA, hoping that uh, the, between the governor and Congresswoman Ballant, et cetera, that they can overcome this, you know, that, no, you weren't in the first round of flooding, so you don't qualify. But in the meantime, is the city able to do some things to help people? Limited. I, again, it's just, you know, what we have in the budget space uh, is, right. is difficult. We don't, you know, we don't have really a fund for this. What we can do is we can um, we can guide people. And that's what we've been doing. Our, our uh, Mark, our... Um, a building inspector who's also pretty good at stuff like this um, has been guiding people through like the process, making sure that they get in contact with the right companies to clean out their basements because their oil tanks spilled along with the water, stuff like that. You can't just pump that out in the street. So there's been processes. We've been there to try to help as much as we can and get them connected to the right resources. And that's where we're at adding some value. So, all right, well, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in with Fox News. Amanda's got the headlines, and we're going to check the forecast, and then we'll be back uh, after that. Oh, you're going to stay for the, for the next segment. Sounds great. Good. Uh, Mike Dungess, the uh, Rutland City Matter Bees on the schedule for it. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm just trying to make it sound, you know, <laughs> impromptu. Informed with your community. The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. <laughs> Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline's open, 888-414-0303. If you have a question for our guest, Rutland Mayor Mike Dungess, give us a call. Um, Mike, I uh, want to talk now about a sad story that happened in Rutland, which was the loss of uh, Jessica Ebenhausen, a police officer who had just started, you know, just kind of getting her, starting her adult life, really, and just starting her career with the police department. Uh, sadly, tragically died. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, and the community response. You know, it's interesting. We had had her and another officer come to the Board of Alderman meeting for introductions just, I mean, I think it was maybe a week before uh, the accident. And, you know, she has a long history in Rutland. Her grandfather was actually the chair of our police commission for a little while. Um. You know, her a uh, couple members of her family were in law enforcement or first responders. Uh, even her boyfriend uh, at the time, he was a he was um, working at the hospital and security. Now he's actually working for our fire department. I swore him in on Friday. Oh wow! And uh, he's a great kid. And <clears throat> excuse me, um, it was it was tough uh, on multiple levels. She's so young. She's a great person, amazing heart. Really had a passion for being a first responder, being in law enforcement. She didn't just do it because it was a job. She did it because this is what she wanted to do. And it sounds like heavily connected to the community, too. Very connected to the community. And um, the the accident was tragic. There's, you know, uh, you know, there's a couple things about seatbelts and whatnot. Seatbelt or not wouldn't have saved her life, right, the way that the accident happened. This was during a car chase, right? It was during, well, it wasn't a chase, so... The, they were uh, trying to apprehend the suspect. They were coming from a different direction. Um, the suspect was being followed, but it was actually, from what I, my from what I understand, there was no, no one was chasing. They were just trying to get to him. Um, that's more, you know, that's also under investigation by Vermont State Police. So, 
even if I did have more information, we couldn't talk about it yet. But um, regardless, he, they were coming in opposite directions, and um, he crossed the line and collided with, with her vehicle. So, And uh, talk about the community outpouring of support yeah. for, for her. It was it was huge. Um, right away, you know, the community responded well. We had one guy suggest blue lights everywhere, so lots of people put up blue lights, or they just turned their Christmas lights back on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that they hadn't taken down yet, um, or maybe put them back up. So there's a lot of that, you know, just basic outreach and you know, s- you know, visual support was a big deal. Um, there was um, a vigil held. Again, a lot of just the community kind of stepping up. Um, one of the officers the next day had taken one of the cruisers and put it out front just with the lights on kind of as a, you know, um, a representation of, you know, the, the morning and all of a sudden just flowers started showing up on wow. this police vehicle and it became a, just kind of a natural memorial right in front of the police station. Um, and then over time, um, you know, things, there's a, there, there's a bike ride, you know, a motorcycle ride that's coming up. Um, and then we had this just Really nice first responder funeral too, which was which was good. Well, it's uh, it's great to see that kind of community outpouring of love and support for the family. Yeah. Uh, but boy, what a just what a tragedy. Yeah, absolute tragedy, and and we'll be we'll be dealing with that for a while, right? There's a lot of people that are hurting. Um, our you know our police department's hurting, and not not um, the tragedy. You know, we have officers out because they were part of the accident. There's mm-hmm. you know they some of them saw the accident. There's a lot of physical and, and uh, emotional trauma that we're dealing with. So it's 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 been an impact and we're all healing, but it's going to take some time. So let's talk about the police department a little bit. Um yeah. where do you stand in terms of uh are you down officers uh you know like in Burlington Ooh. they're just starting to rebuild the police department. Yeah. Where do you stand on I mean you just touched on it, but where where do you stand now on on police and pu- and public safety issues? So typically, so uh, my perspective versus where we're at. So let me start with where we're at. Um, we typically had well up until this incident, we had 30, 31, 32 officers, depending on the day and what we're doing, uh, sworn officers on staff, ready to go. So fully, you know, semi fully staffed shifts. Um, we used to be slated for forty something, forty two. And we have been trying for years to get back to those numbers. It's been really hard. So I'm a big fan of public safety. I think our PD is fantastic. We've we've got some great people in there, but we have got to grow. And is it is it hard to bring get back up to that number because there just aren't the candidates in the pipeline, or or is it something else? Can't, there's like three. If I were to kind of take a big picture look at it, there's three factors. Run one. The first one is is not a lot of people want to get into policing right now. It's not a very. It's kind of a thankless job depending on where you're at. Um, so again, just back to Jessica, like just to have this per- young person who wanted to get into it. Um, so that's the first part. The second part is in the state of Vermont, appropriately so, you have to go through this training. Uh, it's a six month police academy. Pittsford. Yeah, in Pittsburgh. It's not far from us. So we have that advantage, but it's a long process. So even if we find a new officer, even if you, even if it's somebody from a different state that's been an officer, they either have to go through the full training or an abbreviated training. So that's time consuming. And then Rutland specifically, we've been trying to do some recruitment. We've got some sign on bonuses. We're trying to pull officers down. That's what I was going to ask you about. Have you, have you had to think about increasing pay bonuses? And yeah. And again, our, but we have one of the highest tax rates in our city and we have, you know, to increase salaries is difficult. We want to get there. Um, but all those things that we're talking about, population growth, housing, all these things have to feed in. Like we, um, there's no, we've been robbing Peter to pay Paul for, you know, 15 years or so. And now everybody's out of money. So, so trying to raise salaries is something we want to do to attract more people. But that's why we're kind of going in the direction of sign in bonuses and like 
ski passes, like benefits. We're trying to increase benefits to attract officers from other places, you know. All right. Well, you got a call. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Yes. Good morning, Mayor. Um, regarding policing and recruitment, uh, don't. I know this by firsthand experience. Don't underestimate the effect that state's attorneys and our now attorney general don't don't underestimate the effect these people have on recruiting. People are very hesitant to get into this trade in Vermont because of those two reasons. Right. Yeah. You know, it's that's a great comment. And one of the two. So two things that we can do. So on the public safety side, this is a great nice transition. Did you guys plan that call? So, no. <laughs> um, so on the public safety side, it's bigger than just policing, right? So a um, couple things that we can do. In Rutland, there are two uh, judicial positions, so two judgeships, so to speak. I don't, know, don't even know if that's a word. Open. So there's a Rutland-specific one and a Rutland-Bennington one. We have an 1,800-case backlog at least, right? That, that changes, but we're about 1,800 cases behind. Um, in those positions, we need to get somebody appointed. We need to get judges appointed to those positions. So that's something that I'm working on, trying to you know get into. Actually, I've requested a meeting with the governor just to have that conversation, saying where are we at on that. And then the other thing is, is our state's attorney's office, and Ian is actually quite good, and he works really well with our police department, uh, Ian Sullivan. But part of their challenges is that backlog, and they don't. They're not fully staffed. One because they only have so much budget, and the salaries that they can pay are low. Um, and two, uh, you know, you want to attract good attorneys to, to, to be in those positions. So my ask, you know, back to the state and I've been talking to my local representatives is we need to get those judgeships appointed and we need to get the Rutland state's attorney's office, you know, for our, for our, um, County, we need to get them a bigger budget. We need to grow their budget so they can pay, so they can attract those attorneys, so that we can start churning through these cases. And when you do those two things, we can start churning through those cases. Now we're starting to hold people accountable for their actions, and that reduces the load 50% ish. It's like 46, depending on the day again. Uh, of our cases in Rutland, our new cases are repeat offenders. It's crazy. I was going to ask well, you about you that because that's what we found in Burlington. Yeah. And that what we're told that it's a. a, a a lot of times the same number of people, whatever number of people it is, yeah. but they seem to be back out in the street repeatedly. And I wanted to ask you about that and say, um, are you running into the same problem where the same offenders are back out repeatedly, the police arrest them, and then they don't get, they don't face the consequences? Yeah. That's, that's what we've run into it, with our state's attorneys. They'll face them at some point when we get through this backlog. And that's and that's where we're at, right? It, it's it, So if your friend steals from the local store... And they get caught, and then they steal again from the local store, and they get caught. And in both cases, they haven't. There's been no repercussions. Maybe you're going to go steal from the local store, and that's what we're starting to see. We're seeing a growth in some. Well, of that and my question is to you, though, uh, specifically for your state's attorney right now. Yeah. Uh, philosophically, do they share like uh, Sarah George in, in Chittenden County yeah. believes those people shouldn't have re- repercussions? Well, they, they, and so do you have a state's attorney that that still looks at? like theft less than $900 as, as theft. He, he still looks at it as theft. I, I, you know, and I I don't want to speak for him. I think he recognizes that with what limited time he has, he has to process the most heinous cases, the most violent cases. And that's what he focuses on. And, and these other ones, because they aren't violent crimes, although they do affect people, they have to wait because he's got to take care of this case, this caseload. Gotcha. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, mayor. Um, 
Does Roland have a branding problem? I don't. I don't really share this, but it's sort of always been seen as a country cousin in Vermont, and people call it Rut Vegas. And um, I wonder. Um, I know good things are happening there. You have the Paramount and stuff like that, but. Um, <laughs> How do you change its reputation? Yeah, that's a that's a great question too. I hadn't heard the Rut Vegas. Oh, Rut you Vegas. Hadn't heard Vegas. Rut Vegas, not, baby. Yeah. yeah. So it's whether we do we See, lean no, in on I thought that, that was <laughs> I thought that was appealing. Yeah, I do too. And actually, I've got some some people on the city. Uh, we call our city council aldermen just for those. Oh, listening. right, but, right. You're board but of but for our still. council, right? We have some people that are like, "Hey, we should lean in on that because mm-hmm. it's fun," uh, and some who are like, "No, we need to find something to replace it with." Well, I started but, the rumor that you were that you were going to get a giant casino. Thanks. Sorry. But, but what about but, but, on the, but on the color specific <laughs> point though? Uh, is there is there a bad image out there about Rutland? And, and I think and historically, what, how do you address? It? I think historically we have been. I mean, Rutland. You know, there's a couple things that, like, if people think about Rutland or if they Google Rutland or whatever, there, there's two or three things that come up, right? The opioid, opioid epidemic that we have, um, our parking garage, right? That was on an episode of something called Fleecing America because of just the way it was built and all this stuff. It, it, the, but in reality, the reputation may be historically poor, but I think we're building a new, and, and I don't, I'm not just saying this because I'm here. Like, I think there's a new reputation. Like, I even came in and, and you were talking about how, like, you know, you like going down to Rutland and somebody, I do. I, we have friends that actually had friends that were in my office yesterday. Um, they left Rutland in 2009 and hadn't been back and they came back for a visit and they're like, this place is booming. Like, and to, to see that difference in, you know, that, you know, 15 year period, that's a big deal, right? To For them to come back and see that it is doing well and it's growing. That's what we want. So that's the new reputation that we're trying to build and we're trying to get it out there. We have a regional marketing initiative that really talks about the region, but Rutland specifically, our city specifically, we're working with the call, uh, um, let me get this right. Correct. Vermont State University Castleton Campus. Mm-hmm. We've had the name change. Um, we're working with their brand. You know, they have a branding team over there that is working on it, and um, we've got a couple really smart people looking at how do we get Rutland this new this new brand and what do we do with it. There's a lot of thought process. Well, and I think the downtown has a lot going for it, and it I does. think you know when they when they a- attracted Walmart to downtown as opposed to when a lot of other communities were saying poo poo. Yeah, that you have to have some anchor. You have to have some reason for traffic, and and with with you know, there's safety in numbers, and, and so you've got, that, like the caller reference, the Paramount. Yep. There's, there's a great federal courthouse. I spent a lot of time in it across the street. Not so bad. Uh, but there's some beautiful buildings in downtown Rutland yeah. that uh, you've got a nice city center core that a lot of places don't have. Yeah. Um, it's like a, somebody said, it's like, oh, it's like a Hallmark movie down here. You know yeah, what it I mean? kind of is. And, and we love that. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Um, we we love that, and we try to focus on it. You know, the city as a whole, we've got businesses all over the place, and but the downtown is definitely an attractor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it's it, Rutland wasn't for the past you know fifteen twenty years. I wouldn't necessarily say it's been a destination location, but now when you go down Center Street on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday, the license plates on these cars are from. All sorts of places that mm-hmm. aren't Vermont, which is yeah. great to see. So, yeah. and uh, of course, I believe we we. we you know, Burlington gets a lot of attention about issues with crime downtown, et cetera. But I think Rutland and St. Albans are listed as number one and two in, in regard to crime. And this is not on you. It's been no. going on for a while. Yeah. But And you touched on this. But uh, what else other than hiring more police officers, which is not easy to do, as you mentioned, 
can you do about that? Is and is the uh, is that local group still going around and pat- sort of patrolling the streets? Yeah, the Rutland City Patrol is still out there, and they're still doing stuff. They're trying to get organized, almost as a neighborhood watch, like yeah. back in the. They 80s just and report 90s. to the police. They don't they actually do. try. They to- don't. They don't. And that's kind of their policy. And we're grateful for that because last thing we need is you know, crimes being committed to try to stop crimes, right? Um, but. I, Rutland City Patrol does a good job of keeping eyes on eyes on things, um, and then trying to get them into a neighborhood watch training would be great because then they've got the right skills, and, and the, that program worked really well um, back in the late '80s. I think some other things we can do, and this is walking a thin line, right? Because do we, you know, if you look at Chicago, which is you know also a city with a lot of crime, they have put a bunch of cameras and they really use technology to to try to hone in on the hotspots. Well, we have a report every other Tuesday. We have a meeting. It's called Rutstat. It tells us where the hotspots are, where the police are being called to the most. So, can we put just in those areas? Because I don't want Rutland to be a surveillance city. But can we put just in those areas some surveillance cameras? We have these new LED lights, right? They run at twenty percent because they're so bright, mm-hmm. so they run at low. So if there's motion while you're walking down the street, can we in those hotspot areas have motion detectors that brighten the lights? I mean, the answer is yes. We can do that. Those things are technical, technically possible. So those are some of the things I'm thinking about. How can we leverage technology to try to increase public safety? Because Police are inherently reactionary. Our police force has to be uh, because we're so short-staffed. We don't even get to go walk the beat, so to speak, because these guys are so busy most of the time. So it's finding a balance. But what can we do to use technology? Yeah, exactly. Right. uh, Rutland Mayor. Mike Dungis, if you have a question for the mayor, give us a call. The McKenzie Country Classic Classic Hotline's open. We have a few minutes left. 888-414-0303. Here we go. There's one right now. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi, yeah. So, how do you bring actual retail to Rutland? I mean, I live in western uh, Addison County and, you know, was in western Rutland County. If I want to buy something, unless I can buy it at Walmart or, or Home Depot, you know, I've got to either go to Burlington or Glens Falls, which I'm going to pick Glens Falls over Burlington any day of the week. Um, you know, and, and we've got especially on the south end of town with, you know, the ball has long been gone and uh, the restaurant that was there. Um, how do you give people a reason to shop there? Yeah. I mean, you, you, some nice stuff. The Paramount's great. You know, we, we support that, uh, you know, with our money, uh, you know, as far Thank as you. going to show. Yeah, there are good restaurants there along Center Street. Absolutely. But it's a small footprint. Right. So I think, you know, some of the things that we're trying to do um, are work with developers to increase housing. I know that doesn't sound like retail because it's a, right. But we're looking at how do we increase housing, build a couple developments. What's going to draw retail back to Rutland in a bigger way, right? Because we have a lot of great small retailers and they're actually continuing to grow. So in downtown, we keep seeing like there's a new tea shop going to be opening up. And tea seem that seems like it's a niche market, but they they feel like there's a real opportunity to capture that market in Rutland. Um, and there's tons of mom and pops, and we love that. But how do we get something a little bit bigger? I think what we're looking at again is that po- we're targeting that population growth. And in the the vision document that we started working on, which is a kind of a high level, where do we want Rutland to be by 2050? Um, that document's a, a guidebook that these retailers can look at and say, well, if I buy into Rutland now, I can buy in at a cheaper rate, I can buy real estate at a, le- a lower rate and start to develop now so that in 15 years I'm, I'm even more profitable. Is it sort of today. a vicious cycle? Like, in other words, 
if developers see that the population numbers are going down, then they don't want to bring a development there Absolutely. because they don't think that the... And that's been our history. And now we're trying to turn that tight. So we just did a housing study, and it shows that we need to increase our, our population, right? All right, well, our let's habit. go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. In regards to policing, um, I don't know, and maybe there's others out there that don't know as well, but what is the policy, or how does one become, get into policing? Is, is it, do they have to be sponsored by a municipality, or is this something where they... They can apply to the academy on their own, get accepted, do the training, and then apply to a municipality. Some pretty rigorous standards, right? Yeah, they are. So you usually, to get into the academy, I believe, and I don't quote me on this, but I do believe that you have to be sponsored by a municipality. But um, our police department, so let's just take Rutland, for example. If you wanted to be a police officer, you hadn't been before. You could go, you could apply, we'd interview, and... If the interview went well, we'd put you on, we'd send you through background. So there's a couple things, right? Um, you know, it's a regular background check, FBI background check. Um, but you have to have in Vermont, this is interesting to people, but you can't have consumed any drugs for a year. And that's not necessarily because, uh, it's illegal, so to speak, in Vermont. It's because you're handling, handling a firearm that's a federal, federally mandated thing and you, uh, you can't have you know can't have touched drugs for a year. So if you you know if you're a marijuana user, you have to you have to wait eight months before you can go to that academy. Before you, you know, so there's there's a lot of things that disqualify people through the process that also makes it harder. But really, yeah, if you want to get into law enforcement, go find a police department that you'd like to work for. Go through that application process, do that interview, and they can put you into the program because they're looking. Now let me ask you this: just with just a few minutes left, I'm I'm always a supporter and advocate of of uh, elections that are like I, I would love legisl- legislative districts that are all single seat districts where one person runs against another person. I mean, anybody else can run, but you have one seat that you're focused on. Mm-hmm. And Chittenden County, we finally split up the six member district. And in Rutland, and you're getting this from a Burlington guy, so you know anybody in Rutland when hearing me say this will be like, "All right, forget it. We don't want a Burlington guy to tell us." But <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm not a fan of the Rutland system of uh, at-large elections, where there's a whole bunch of people running for a number of spots. Is there ever any consideration of doing something different, like running? You know, you represent a ward, and you run against whoever runs against you if you get elected, and it's a it's a one seat where you're deciding who you want to represent you. So specifically for our board of aldermen, yeah. um, which is what you're talking about. Right. Um, years ago. Oh, my gosh. I can't even remember. Maybe 50, 60 years ago. It used to be that way. And then I think they did away with it. I don't think it'd be a bad thing because we do have four distinct neighborhoods in our city. Right. We have four. Dis- but we are a really small city. Like we don't have a lot of landmass. You know, we have. uh 11,000 voters in the city. We have only so many homes. Um, so to go back to that might be more confusing. Um, right now we have four wards and three, <laughs> three of the voting locations are within like a mile of each other. Like they're within walking distance of each other just because it's so we're even saying, Hey, can we vote all wards in one location to tr- we're trying to simplify the process that would add complexity. And, and I think if we grow the population where we think it should be, and maybe then we, I could absolutely do it. But just, right now it just be, it just be seems really like the Chittenden County Senate district that everybody thought was too big. It seems like that on steroids, sort of. Yeah. I mean, we do have a really diverse representation right now on the board, right? We've got, we've got 
two people from one neighborhood, two people. It's well spread out just naturally. So even if you went to that, it would probably work out. We'd probably see a similar representation. Are you going to the council with any big initiatives in this next uh you're heading into the next six months. Any big initiatives? You're yeah, the, the big initiatives of that vision document, really working on city planning. Rutland, Rutland city planning has kind of been afterthought-ish for a while. No no dig to anybody prior. It's just this is my mission, right? My mission is to, to get the vision and get our future set, right? Uh, instead of looking back, let's look forward. So getting this vision document done, getting our capital improvement planning done, which will tie together, right? Because we got that 1% option tax that our, our voters said yes to. So now we have to put that money somewhere. That's capital improvement planning. How are we going to use that um and then really the movie theater did Rutland, did Rutland, <laughs> apparently did, did yeah. Rutland show up I'm on kidding. that list that was done recently about uh, energy costs was was it high for Rutland? yeah our police department is an old was really interesting it's an old cvps building so cvps was our power company and if you look at it it's brick walls no insulation um it's got windows that are single pane uh, no storm windows. Like it's, it, it's energy utilization is massive. And so is our city hall. And so we're going through, um, uh, buildings and general services for the state of Vermont, that agency. We're working with them on the MERP. Oh, these are fun acronyms. MERP, Municipal Energy Resiliency Program grant, uh, to try to, you know, get some efficiency back into those buildings and reduce our energy costs because they are, man, that is one of our biggest bills. And you do have 120000 that came in from the pharmaceutical lawsuit that you were involved yeah, we in? Yeah, we have one hundred twenty, hundred twenty-eight thousand right now sitting in the bank and the more to come and on and, the opioid settlement. And you and the council figuring out what to do with that. That's this little... week. We're actually looking at that this week. All at, right. Committee, so. Mayor Mike Dunn, just thanks for making the trip here. And, thanks for uh, having me. We always love having you on the show, so thanks for being on the morning drive. Love being here. Thanks, and guys. Kurt and I both want a, a public record. I love Rutland. Love it. I love it. Yeah, I yeah, do. We talked I, about I was it. I right for him to say it too. I, I do. Yeah. No, he said it. He said it off the air. Yeah. Well, come on down anytime, guys. We love having you. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to chat with Ron uh, Rob Roper's coming in. Uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation.